How excited are we for the NBA Finals? What is happening with the Colangelo burner accounts? Who is the real MVP this season? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Today, I am extremely excited to bring on friend of the breakdown and ESPN and ABC NBA play-by-play veteran, Mark Jones. So, Mark, thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, man, Nick, looking forward to it. It's a great time of the year. We play, you know, eight and a half months of basketball, training camp, preseason, regular season, playoffs to get to the finals where we are now. So this, this is the fun part. It is. It's also fun because we have a day in between games. We can kind of relax, maybe even see the family a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- this year I get a chance to be a spectator and watch it a little bit. So um, it's going to be really compelling as always. And you know, who would have thought that, uh, you know, after all we went through, that we'd end up with the same teams for the fourth consecutive year, which I like, by the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I was trying to think of the other storyline. Okay, let's say it was Boston and Houston, uh, a rematch of uh, 86. Like, I don't know. That could have been interesting, but I guess you're right. Maybe the, the part four might be more, more, more compelling in theory. But I don't know if we're going to get this good games. Yeah, you know what? As long as they're competitive, you know, I'm, I'm, and I really don't have a, a dog in the fight, but I'd like to see a six- or seven-game series, even though I think – when you look at these two teams, Golden State and Cleveland in particular, I think uh, we're looking at a probably a, a six-game series. And even that, some people feel maybe we wishful thinking because the Warriors are prohibitive historic favorites in this. But, man, after watching what we saw LeBron do in the three series leading up to the finals and the Pacers against the Raptors in particular, you know, I had a chance to call two of the defining games in that games two and game three. And, the runner in game three was phenomenal. And then what he did in game seven in Boston, you can't put anything by him, man. You know, we, we've talked about that in the, some of the videos where, and he, and actually LeBron has commented that two points is not necessarily two points, especially when you're talking about him against Toronto. Could you feel that? Like when you're in the stadium and he's hitting that kind of a shot, you really do. And, and even against, um, you know, against the Raptors, I, I really think he was just in their heads, you know, psychologically so deep that um, every, yeah, every two-point field goal felt like an and one or like he slammed it on somebody. Um, he beat them with so many timely buckets and, you know, um, it had an impact on them that went beyond that play and it went into the next one and the one after that. But, you know, we're seeing now that, it wasn't just the Raptors. It was the Boston Celtics that his gravity, his presence is so large and so heavy that, uh, you know, I kind of felt that in game seven in Boston, when he was able to keep it close at halftime, that they were as good as going to win that game. For sure, for sure. I mean, once you realize that, uh, you know, because, yeah, they were basically blowouts in Boston before that. So once you realize there was going to be a game and Boston had a little bit more of the sort of road yippies going on that looked like they had uh, on the road in the past few games, uh, yeah, I definitely felt that way. And you know what? It, you want to give Boston a pat in the back, right? They, they really did the best they could, I thought, with what they had. Uh, it certainly speaks volumes for what will, what could happen next year. Um, although I guess there's a lot of moving parts on that end. I mean, do you even think that LeBron would is going to suit up in Cleveland again next year? 
You know what? That that's the big debate right now, and I'm one of those people that thinks that he's prone to stay. He just seems comfortable there. Um, I think he's more apt to stay and have Colby Altman, the general manager, and Dan Gilbert, who's proven that he has no problem going into the luxury tax and even the repeater tax where they are, um, that it's not an issue. So, hey, you know what? If LeBron picks up the phone and calls Paul George uh, and calls a couple of other guys, he can put his team together again. And, you know, uh, the problem is they've, they've got a couple contracts there that uh, that might be kind of tough. But if, if they bring in one more guy and if they can – uh, rehabilitate Kevin Love a little bit. Uh, you know, that, that's a team that can rule the East. Right now, I think, you know, everyone talks about Boston and they did have a great postseason. They've got Tatum and Brown on the wings and they get back Kyrie and, um, you know, Gordon Hayward next year. But I still think in the Eastern Conference, it's LeBron, Cleveland, and everybody else. I think there's not even any kind of tier system there, Nick. I think it's just everybody else. And then there's LeBron and Cleveland. And I, I don't see that reign ending even with Kyrie Irving and even with Gordon Hayward coming back because if LeBron is still in the East, he's, he's just got a patent on that, man. I, it's inexplicable to watch what he did to a 59-win Raptors team this year, to watch what he did to a Boston team that hadn't lost in the playoffs this year in Game 7 when it counted most. It's phenomenal and something now that you think that he can do it over and over again. Right. And, and, and like we said, that mental edge that he has over these teams, uh, that's why I was almost thinking it was good to have guys like Tatum who are, they're almost like too young to know that they're supposed to be, uh, you know, intimidated by him. And, and it, quite honestly, you kind of saw that, right? Tatum was the one guy who really came to play across all those games. Um, but you're, you're what the kids call an NBA insider. Uh, you, do you right. have to think there's anything to this notion that we'd read about during the year that may, perhaps LeBron um, isn't, perhaps people may not want to go play with him? Uh, there, there seemed to be a little bit of some reporting in the middle of the year about that kind of thing. And, uh, and certainly when you go to play with LeBron, you have to, you know, you have to change your game a bit. So do you, is there anything to that, do you think? You know, I, I don't know if it's so much a situation, uh, Nick, where guys don't want to play with him. I think when you're in Cleveland and – you're a Kyle Korver, or if you're a uh, Jordan Clarkson, or if you're a Rodney Hood, there's a process that you have to go through to learn to play with him. And when I was doing the Raptors Cavaliers series and had a chance to visit with Kyle Korver for about 20, 25 minutes before the game, he told me that it took him a little bit to learn how to play with LeBron because your game has to morph into something that fits with him because he is a ball-dominant guy, um, but he's a guy that does like to pass. And if he gets to a point where he trusts you, he's going to get you a lot. And that's the challenge is, you know, for guys like, you know, Corver's there. Uh, I think J.R. Smith uh, is there at times. But for a guy like Jordan Clarkson, who was second in the NBA and points off the bench only behind Lou Williams during the regular season, who seemingly hasn't made a bucket cut to Cleveland right. in the postseason especially um, and for the same can be said for Rodney Hood um, it's going to take those guys a little bit it's going to take them until next year I don't think that they're going to find that utopian rhythm with LeBron to mesh their games to him until next year whereas you look at a guy like Kevin Love you look at some of the weak side action that Kevin Love and and uh, Kyle Korver have been able to work you see LeBron 
uh, pass to Kevin Love on those baseline cuts for layups, backdoor cuts, and Kyle Korver coming off those screens around the three-point arc. Uh, that's all timing, and he's more than LeBron is more than happy to pass it to guys, but you you almost have to earn his trust in that sense. I guess is what I'm saying. Sure, and that makes sense, and we've seen that across the board, across the history with Michael Jordan and, and Kobe and all those guys. You have to be able to earn their trust. It's, it ain't easy. Um, you know, even guys like Chris Bosh who come in as, you know, not that he was a potential Hall of Famer, but, like, I don't know, he kind of was on that track in theory, and right, and now, he, you know, he sacrificed for those championships, right? Because I don't think, right, I, well, I don't know. What do you think about that? Is that a crazy idea that Chris Bosh was on his way to sort of maybe on that path and then it, it, it's certainly not in that path now? I, I think so. I think there's a great parallel, Nick, between uh, Chris Bosh when he was here in Miami, uh, where I, you know, I saw him play pretty much every game. I lived down here in South Florida. I'm still a Miami Heat. Uh, consider myself a season ticket holder. Uh, gets the games for my wife and family. I saw him play a lot, and I look at Kevin Love. He was was now he's the number two option, but he was that third option behind Kyrie, and and their paths, their tracks are pretty similar, but. Loves was different this year because he was the number two guy. And Ty Lu told me at the start of the year, he said, Mark, Kevin Love is going to have his best season ever as a Cavalier this year now that he's the number two option. And, you know, people forget that Kevin Love was averaging, you know, 20 points and about nine or 10 rebounds a game into January before Isaiah Thomas came back. And then the chemistry uh, just kind of died, and they had to start all over again. They had to reboot everything, and then they had to reboot everything again at the trade deadline when they traded for, you know, Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson and Rodney Hood, and they brought in a bunch of new guys. So, you know, I, I think Kevin Love, to make a long story short, he, he's, he's, he's got some good things happening there. Um, I don't know with him coming off of concussion protocol how much of a contribution he can make in these finals if he can get right at time but you know I'm not going to count anything out I, I think that with 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 Golden State and how they choose to play love that's gonna that's gonna you know dictate a lot in how this series go are you afraid of losing your hair it's a very real possibility and in the past we'd have to shrug and wear our just another sexy bald guy t-shirts but not anymore Forhims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Hims will connect you with real doctors with medical-grade solutions to get the hair growing back on your head. No awkward doctor visits where you have to bend over and cough. No wasting time with a bunch of nervous people in the waiting room. Just open up that browser window, type in F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com, and the solution to your problems gets shipped to your door. If you order now, you'll get a trial month of Hims for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to forhims.com/coachnick. That's f-o-r-h-i-m-s.com/coachnick. Well, you know, I didn't really want to bring you on to talk about the finals or the draft or anything like that. I want to talk to you about, well, this is sort of in jest, but certainly we need to talk a little bit about Brian Colangelo and the Twitter gate that's going on right now that broke yesterday. If you haven't heard, uh, some interesting investigative reporting going on on the ringer.com about how uh, there were some burner accounts uh, that seemed to be awfully coincidental if it wasn't Brian Colangelo behind these things. Um, you know, as we move into the social media atmosphere of NBA, we've never really had this platform before. What do you make of all this, and what do you think the ramifications are going to be? 
you know, having read the story and looked at it, it, as you said, Nick, there is some awfully compelling, albeit circumstantial evidence. Uh, my wife has explained that to me. She's an attorney by, by profession. Um, but if any of, you know, there, there are what, four or five accounts. If, if any of this is true, even a small degree of it where, you know, one of the accounts apparently talked about Jalil Okafor perhaps failing a physical, and that's why the, one of the trades fell through. If any of this is true, then it, it's pretty condemning. And I would think that there's going to be some, some house cleaning going on, you know, at, at Philadelphia. And, and that, that's going to be hard for him to earn a degree of trust back with people across the league, uh, not just Philadelphia, but, uh, you know, other general managers with other teams. Uh, in, in my dealings with Brian Colangelo, he's always been very straight up. I think he's done a great job with the 76ers this year. But, you know, social media shows us pretty much every day that uh, the landscape and the game changes because of it. And this is another one that, uh, man, when you think about Colangelo and Kevin Durant, uh, you know, had a burner account as well. Um, it's something that kind of fits into the equation now, the big picture of the NBA, when especially as a general manager, you're using it to influence. You know, it's not the Russians stealing the election like they did, but it's putting out popular opinion, you know, uh, and, and it's taking and trying to, uh, you know, mold a consensus. And when you think that some of this information is actually from in-house meeting rooms and conference rooms within a certain organization, then if, and I'd say if, allegedly, if it is, then that's something that, that Brian's going to have a tough time getting through and getting over. Yeah, I, 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 I guess my translation to that is, is he might have a tough time keeping his job. Um, I, I think the two things that are also part of it are, you know, it's a great way to monitor what's going on and what people are saying, which is another reason why he probably had it. But also, you could probably float ideas out into the public to get the reaction before you actually do a deal. And I suppose that could have been part exactly. of it, too. Now, the, the circumstantial exactly. evidence you talked about was certainly compelling, which is that as soon as they called about two of the accounts – uh, of the five, all five went private at the, um, within the same yeah. time, and that's interesting. To they know, went, they went dark. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. not that, really that timing. Really yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, and now it's like. Well, by the way, one of them I think is active again. I kind of was able to look at the timeline of one of them, and it's maybe these. They're, you know, now they're trying to make it seem like it's somebody else, but it, it is was, interesting. Was he, was he was he following you too? <laughs> you know, he, he was not. I, I you know I don't I guess I don't do enough Sixers coverage, but. Um, <laughs> You know, it, 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 but it, it was bad. And you know, some of the things about, you know, the Jaleel Okafor's uh, medical stuff was interesting, too, in, try, in prompting reporters to ask questions about it, about stuff that seemed to be insider information. So uh, it, it is fascinating and certainly uh, just a long one in the long line of, of interesting storylines this year that have come out. Uh, all sorts of interesting stuff. I mean, even the Cavs stuff with like LeBron in January sort of, uh, you know, throwing his hands up until a trade could be made. And, uh, I, you know, there was a really good thread on Twitter yesterday that sort of listed all the crazy storylines that just one after the other this year. Uh, did it feel that way to you, or did you feel like uh, this was sort of a, you know, ho-hum season? You know what? It, it, for me, the, the regular season is uh, kind of a week-to-week, game-to-game thing. And, uh, you know, when I reflect on the regular season right now, it, I, I think of, um, you know, the Houston Rockets 
the great regular season they had. Uh, I think Golden State shutting it down at one point because they were so banged up. They realized they were locked into the number two seed in the West. I think about the fantastic season that the Toronto Raptors had, 59 games, and then absurdly, and I think wrongly, firing their coach, Dwayne Casey. Uh, I think about the Boston Celtics losing Gordon Hayward in the first game of the regular season in Cleveland and then turning it around, going in on a six game, 16 game winning streak, you know, finishing up the number two seed in the East and making it to the conference finals, despite losing Kyrie as well. Um, I think about the Los Angeles Lakers who I was kind of holding out hope of uh, being able to make it into the playoffs this year and the whole Lonzo ball story. Um, You know, there are a lot of good ones out there. I think about the great year that James Harden had, and he'll probably end up winning MVP. uh, Even though I know it's a regular season award. I look at the playoffs right now and I look at what LeBron has done in the playoffs and, uh, if you're telling me that the playoffs really reveal the true character of a player in the team, uh, I, I really think that we've just suffered from LeBron fatigue, and he is the rightful and truthful MVP, even though he won't get it this year. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. I, I don't even know what the MVP award is supposed to be, honestly, because I think that's the biggest issue. I would like to get some clarity. Is it the best player in the league? Is it the guy with the uh, the most valuable to his team? Is it, you know, do you, do you have a take on that? You know what, Nick? I, I think by definition and literal sense, I take MVP as the most valuable player. Uh, coincidentally, in the case of LeBron, it just happens to be the best player, too. Um he impacts it at both ends, man. And how many guys can you say that about in the top three? Who are your th- top three? Even if you go, even if you go LeBron, even if you go Harden, LeBron, Anthony Davis, say right for MVP. Of oh. those three guys, okay, okay, who's 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 impacting the game at both ends? All right, well, both ends. Uh... You know, and then I say, <laughs> and, and then I say, okay, put. Put Harden on Cleveland and put LeBron on Houston. What's the drop-off for those respective teams or increase for those respective teams? Yeah, well, that's tough. Now, I I don't really want to give LeBron a a whole bunch of props for the defensive end. I'm sorry. Um, Here here comes the hater in me. But um, but you know that said you know th- there were moments when yeah when he won and like he would prove that yes it's still there he can do it it's just not so th- then we have to figure out well do we judge what we know LeBron can do and will do in a game five uh, elimination game when they have to have it like versus is he doing it you know in you know the the thirtieth game in March or whatever that is right like yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll admit like he'll he'll pick his spots defensively he does he. Yeah. You know, like he's made the argument that he's never won Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Maybe in the past he he could have been up for the award, but I don't think this year was a great defensive year for him. But he picks his spot, and he plays a lot of free safety on defense with him by design, according to Ty Lue. And, I mean, if you're leading the league in minutes, you need a breather somewhere. But think about this, Nick. My argument is, you know, you can think of one or two definitive plays at the defensive end that LeBron has made at one point in the season, right? Sure. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you think of a play defensively that James Harden made that sealed the game or impacted a game? Um, I mean, even one out of even two. <laughs> That's a great I, question. I'm not, one, I'm not one of these guys that, that bashes Harden, you know, just because of it at the defensive end. 
he has proven analytics show that, you know, he was one of the better ISO uh, post defenders this year, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm just talking about, like I said, a total player gravity and how you impact the game. It's, it's hard for me to say that LeBron isn't the MVP. Right. Well, I, and, and it's also that kind of feeling of when he's bringing the ball down, he grabs the rebound and comes down, and it's like you know it's going to take every ounce of your defensive ability across the entire team to stop him, right? You better have two guys ready to wall him off in the beginning or he's going to do whatever he wants to do, and that's still there no matter what. And that's what we're going to see in the finals. So um, yeah. that's that's the real question is if, you know, is he going to have to he'll, – A, he'll have to do that. And, um, I mean, I, you know, listen, my only issue I've ever had with LeBron is sort of the relationship he has with the coach. I feel like that sort of rubs me wrong sometimes. Um, right. but, that, but that said, I generally balance anything I might say about that with, like, all the raves of, yeah, I mean, the guy's – he is a great passer. He'll always make the right play, you know, even at the buzzer, right? He'll make a pass if it's a, if it's a better shot. Uh, to the detriment right. of him, like he'll people right, he'll get criticized to no end for that. But that's the right play. So you know, I, I, it's an interesting relationship. It's hard for me to grasp with that, and especially growing up with uh, Michael Jordan and growing up in Chicago. Um, you know, there's another right. dynamic there, which I'm sure you you could probably recognize too, having being the same age. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I saw Michael's uh, six NBA championships, and I covered uh, five of those six, and saw the way that he operated. I, I think that. Uh, you know, it, he, he Michael had a better relationship with with his coach, Phil, than I think LeBron does. But, you know, coaching LeBron is, you know, I understand what you say. It's, it's a little it's a little more nuanced than it is uh, coaching maybe any other superstar in this game. But um, go on. You know, that, that, <laughs> that's kind of the way he is. I mean, I wasn't crazy about um the way that he at times uh, openly uh, questioned David Blatt. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know what? There's That goes on a lot in our league, man. You know, and yeah. I tell you what, I always say there's, there's two, you know, you can't fool dogs or NBA players. You know, they they smell blood. You know, like if, yeah. if, if you're not right, if you're phony or if you don't have what it takes, they'll, they are at you, man. You know? Yeah. They are. Yeah. Well, do you, you know, think that there was any connection between Tyron Lue's illness and having to try and coach LeBron? Yeah, I mean, that is, I, I think maybe it was just, I think overall it was just the wear and tear of the season. But, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of heavy lifting when you deal with LeBron James as a member of the Cavaliers. Uh, it, it just is. And mm-hmm. it's, it's both a great thing and it's, it can be a little bit of a burden as well. But you know what, if, if you're Coach Ty Lue right now and if you're Larry Drew, the assistant coach, and if you're all the way down to Vitaly Patapenko on the bench, the development coach, if you're the coaching staff, you're going to an NBA Finals for the fourth straight year. You'll live with the imperfections, right? Absolutely. The trade-off is more than uh, more than worth it. And, and, and certainly having you on the show, there's no burden there. It's only greatness <laughs> when, when you're coming on to talk about this stuff. And I, can't, I just can't thank you enough for coming on and breaking it down for us, Mark. It was great. Appreciate it, man. And, you know, one last thing about LeBron. I'm, I'm watching some, some of the stuff on the monitor, Nick. And one thing is he, he is a great teammate. He is a great teammate. And you never hear guys inside. I had a conversation with uh, Jose Calderon uh, about LeBron. And he's, he was telling me how he's never seen a player work harder and he's never had as good a teammate as LeBron. He talked about how when they were in 
um, California earlier this year uh, on a road trip right around the New Year's. Uh, they were out in Sacramento and doing the West Coast Swing, and he said LeBron got all the guys on a bus and took them to a winery out there in California, and they did a wine-tasting tour for the whole day. And it was ended up a bunch of, you know, grown men, 15 grown men on an NBA team acting like a bunch of college frat guys. It was, it was a great time. And, um, Oh, I thought you were going to say they they were all wearing berets and turtlenecks. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) Yeah. They might, Hey, he bought them all suits, right? Yeah. Tom Brown suits for for playoffs. I, I, I haven't heard many guys complain about him being a bad teammate. And I think ultimately that goes a long way when you talk about him. Absolutely. Well, uh, again, Mark, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. We'll have to check in with you again, as always, because you are a friend of the breakdown and always love talking to you. So let's definitely keep this up and uh, we'll keep going. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Mark? Sure am. I, watch, I listen to Breakdown all the time, man. Keep up the great work, man.